Well, good morning. Good afternoon here, but um, you're a little bit behind us in Japan now. Hopefully, you can hear me well because my big computer is away getting serviced, so I'm using my iPad. Now, I want to say thank you to the team who week after week put these services together. You're an incredible blessing. I want to say thank you for the tech. He, you, you prepared well and... I love your choice of songs, but, you know, that is a blessing to have someone up the front leading the service and doing it so well. I want to thank Ron, who I, I was hoping he was going to keep on preaching this morning. Uh, that would have saved me the job. But um, anyway, you, you, you made a statement. You said about having great confidence. Now, we live in a world where... There isn't confidence out there. People with their health and uh, financial reasons, things are going wrong. But let me say to you that as a Christian, you can live with confidence. And this is why I'm talking and have been talking for the last two or three weeks about the gifts that God has given each one of us who have become his child because of our, our faith. And we can have confidence in our circumstances, that God is with us, that he has equipped us, that he is leading us, that his Holy Spirit is there in our lives. That is a source of incredible confidence to have in a time when things in the world aren't going well. Now, I've had a good week, a busy week. I was doing some building for someone. I even found a day to go fishing. And then on Friday, I had to do about 500 k's and go down to a funeral of a friend. But the interesting thing is, is that in doing this, I, you know, it, it just shows that life can be very variable. My building job, I had to use tools, and that gave me confidence to do the job. This is why we're talking about the gifts that God gives us, that we can be confident in our journey as we serve the King of Kings. And I think it's a marvelous thing but he's given us confidence in this way. Now, I wasn't going to start with that, but let me ask you a very important question. Do you buy makeup or perfume? Now, one of the biggest money makers in the world are the firms who deal with the beauty or body care or enhancement. Companies make money because people are not happy with the way they look or how they smell. So they make all these things to help us. Now, you don't have to answer this question, but are you happy with the way you are, the way you look? Um, now, some of you I know will be, and I hope most of you are, but we always have things that we could do and make better, parts that need improvement. And you see, when we do that, we make an effort. It takes commitment to get results and that's something that we need to reflect on today because I'm going to ask and we think about when God looks at the church his people which is known as the body of Christ does God like all he sees when he looks at us now just like us I think he likes certain parts but he really wishes that other parts would get shaped up now, if we are to get shaped up as a church, 
I think it first means understanding what part of the body we are, what ability, what giftings, what tools we have, and then we need to get involved where we can. And this is why we're looking at these gifts, because as we go through them, you'll say, yes, I can do that. Uh, I can be involved with the giftings that God has given. Now, First Peter 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use the gifts you have well to serve each other. So we're spending four weeks. We're discovering our spiritual gifts that we all received from the Holy Spirit when we became spiritually reborn. And we committed our lives to serving Christ in the ministry that he began. Now, we all play a very special part in this ministry. And my prayer for you is that you will see that God has uniquely created you as a person. Why did he do that? To be involved in a life that matters, not just for this short period of life, but for eternity. And so God has done an amazing thing of equipping each one of us. Now, last time we looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and the nine gifts of the Spirit that are listed there. This week, we'll continue to look at a few more of the 25 spiritual gifts. Now, if you've just tapped into the series, the Bible talks about 25 gifts that God has given his people, some only one or two, some a few or more. But we all have them. And I hope that you will find one or two today that you really identify with as a way that God has equipped you, because he certainly has if you're a Christian. First Corinthians 12, 27 to 31. Now that's been read, but I will read it again. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then workers of miracles also those having gifts of healing. There are those able to help others with those gifts of administration and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Then there's a very interesting question. Are all of us apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? In other words, not everyone has the same giftings. Do you all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now today we're going to continue looking at the 10th gift that the Holy Spirit has given. And number 10 I've got down is the apostle or missionary. The apostle or missionary. Now in Greek it literally means sent out one. That's what the word missionary or apostle means. Sent out one. It's a representative of the church sent out to establish new works of God. Something that this gift was only the title given to the 12 disciples when Jesus went back to heaven. But when we look carefully at scripture, it shows that there are many others beyond the 12 disciples that Paul and Paul were designated with the title apostle. Now that includes James, Barnabas, Epaphroditus, Silas, and Timothy, and others. So there were more than just those 12 apostles. 
it continued on. Corinthians 8.23 says, and this is Paul speaking, concerning the credentials of Titus, he is my partner and co-worker in ministry for you. As for the brothers coming with him, they are apostles of the church, and they are splendid examples of those who belong to God. Now, in the early church, to be an apostle meant you were sent out from one place to do ministry, work in another place. Now, we know that in Japan, there are many missionaries. They've been there for years, serving and caring, but they come from different countries. They were sent out by their churches. And so they could be described as apostles, modern-day apostles. Now, some of those missionaries have attended and served at MCC. Ron is one of them. And we met quite a few missionaries when we were working at the team guest house in Metaka last year. It's a bit unclear whether this is a spiritual gift or simply a calling from God. But either way, those who are sent out as apostles or missionaries are specially gifted to pioneer new works of God. Now, they have to be pioneering spirit that loves the challenge of moving into new places and trying new things in ministry. They have to have a longing to reach people to be one to Christ. They accept that it will be hard work because of new languages to learn, new cultures to embrace, and that they'll be a long way from their family and their friends. Now, here perhaps is something you need to think about. Perhaps you feel that God is calling you to a foreign land to bring the gospel of Christ to the masses who have no opportunity to hear it. The interesting thing is that we actually have missionaries coming to New Zealand because they see us perhaps as needing the gospel, even though we've had it for years, but people still come. Now, if you feel God has gifted or called you to be a missionary or an apostle, you need to make yourself known. You need to talk to the church leaders. You need, if you feel that is your gift, you need to sit down and talk with the people who could help you. Now, you may even receive and need to get extra training. So being sent out is a very important thing. The next gift we'll discuss today is teaching. Now, we're skipping prophecy in verse 28 because we introduced the gift of prophecy last time. But what is teaching all about? Teaching is the ability to clearly communicate information relevant to the health and ministry of the church. Now, there'll be a lot of people who are well-educated and experienced, and they learn to become very effective communicators. It's part of society to be able to communicate things that you know. But listen, the gift of teaching is a supernatural gift from God, from the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to the reason I've just said that. One without this gift can understand the Bible as he hears or reads it, but cannot explain it as the one with the gift can. So the gift helps a person explain, and there's some amazing teachers when you go onto the internet. The gift of teaching is a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. Although it can be developed, the spiritual gift of teaching 
is not something that I believe can be learned or acquired as with a college degree. You might go and study, but if you haven't got the gift of teaching, you will not be able to explain or expound the Bible as one that has the gift of teaching. You see, those with the spiritual gift of teaching love to study the Word of God for extended periods of time. They consume the scriptures as food for their hearts, souls, and minds with the express purpose of knowing Him and then making Him known to others. Now, Ron said this morning he read his scriptures. He was looking and it taught him something because he loves to expound the scriptures. He loves to teach us. They want to know what God has revealed of himself and what he requires of us as people created in his image. A teacher has a very important role to teach and encourage us. Now, good teachers take great joy and satisfaction of seeing others learn and apply the truth of God's word to their life. Now, what's the importance of teaching? The church is built up through the use of the gift of teaching, as people listen to the Word of God, hear what it means, and how to apply it to their own lives. Teaching is vital. If it's a gift, it's a very powerful thing. And God has raised up many with this gift to build people up in their faith and enable them to grow in wisdom and knowledge. Now, in order for this church to succeed in its mission, we need a team of people with this gift. It can be used for either teaching individuals or in groups. Now, for example, we need teachers in youth groups and Bible studies, maybe in children's ministry. We really need good teachers there or teaching new believers. Now, last year when we were at MCC, they used to hold regular after-church teaching seminars. And that was to encourage you to learn from a teacher who loved to teach and encourage you. Now, if you have a dream to teach others and you want to share the gospel and you really understand it, you need again to talk to the leadership. You need to be an encourager to others. Now, what about the gift of helping? That's another gift. That's number 12. Helping is the ability to invest one's talents in life and ministry of others, thus enabling them to serve with greater effectiveness. Now, that's a bit of a, a loud or a long statement, so I'll read it. Helping is the ability to invest one's talents in the life and ministry of others, thus enabling them to serve with greater effectiveness. You see, when you help, you're actually helping someone else to be more effective. And I believe it's a great gift to have. The church certainly needs helpers. The person with a spiritual gift to help is someone who tends to work often behind the scenes to get things done. You may not see them, but they're there. And the individual with this gift will often do his or her job joyfully. They're not being forced to do it. And they take responsibility off the shoulders of others who are doing the work. They have a personality that is humble and have no problems sacrificing time and energy to do God's work. That's what a helper does. They, they, they love to help, and they do it because it is a gift. They even have the ability to see what others need. They look around. They see things. And often other people don't know, but they're watching. 
People with this spiritual gift have a great attention to detail. They tend to be very loyal and they tend to go above and beyond in everything. They're often described as someone with a servant heart. The need may be more practical in nature. Helping may be related to providing assistance in a way to enable another to accomplish their ministry task. All Christians are called to help others in need, and yet some are clearly more gifted in this role than others. And it's interesting that as I look through Scripture to find an example of a person with this gift, it wasn't all that easy to find. That's because people who have this gift are very seldom found in the limelight. They're just quietly working in the background, but they get great joy out of helping others succeed in their ministry. Now, I did find one example in Romans 16, verses 1 to 2, where Paul writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sincrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a worthy way of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Now imagine if that was you they were talking about. This person, you've been a great help. You just quietly have been working there and blessing others with your gift of help. Now where do we need people with this gift of helping at MCC? And I would say everywhere. Leaders need people with this gift to help to take care of details of the group. Now, it could be simple, like organising food for an event. I remember going to one or two events at the church last year and food would suddenly appear because someone was caring and helped. And maybe they helped with things like helping remembering birthdays or people's anniversaries. Or what about the important thing like keeping the church clean, setting out or putting away the chairs, showing care and love to those who need it. Now, every ministry group needs people with the gift of helping to come alongside and relieve the burden of details that accomplish any ministry task. This is why I'm so thankful that we've got a group of people who turn up Sunday after Sunday. They set up the sound system. They set up the lighting. They'll adjust your air conditioning if it's needed or the heating. But they're caring and they give their time caring for others that others can get on with their ministry. People with the gift of helping are so important and essential to the success of the body. So this is why it's a wonderful thing to say, you'll help, I'll care, I'll look after things. Now let me say, as a pastor, I have great admiration and respect for those who put themselves out to provide help. Your role is greatly appreciated. Be blessed in what you do for others. And so that is so important. The church thrives because people help and do the tasks that are often just quiet in the background. Then the final spiritual gift Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 12 is the gift of administration. Now, what is this gift? Administration is the ability to understand clearly how to accomplish immediate and long-range goals in the body of Christ and to execute those plans successfully. Every church must have a good administrator or a team 
to administrate the things so that things can be successfully completed. This gift is more goal or task orientated and is often also more connected with detail and organisation. And we've got some really good organisers in MCC. An example of someone with this gift is the task of keeping everyone informed each week of what is happening now and in the future. So we get constant emails telling us what is happening, maybe helping administer the finance. That's a very important one. Maybe planning service details. Now, he always contacts me and asks me before Sunday what readings I want and anything to do. So he's administrating his task well. The list can be endless. I guess an example of someone doing that is that often they're the person who people from the outside have first contact with the church. They'll ring up the church when it's your services and the administrator is able to give them advice. But here's an important thing. If you know people in your congregation, an MCC who are in the background, who are doing these things, why don't you thank them? Why don't you say, hey, really appreciate what you're doing because it's such an important task. Now, people with this gift are generally also concerned with the details of how to accomplish tasks. And they tend to be masters at delegating specific tasks to other people according to their gifts and talents. So if you've got a good administrator, they'll often say, hey, can you do this? Can you help here? And they look around for people who they know have the ability. Now, in the sixth chapter of Acts, we see the 12 disciples functioning in the gift of administration as they solve a dilemma facing their growing church. And I hope that would be an MCC thing, that as the church grows, people have to be the administrator. But in Acts 6, we read, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, church was growing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. They had a system where, like a food bank, but one group felt the other group weren't doing the job properly. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. In other words, we're caring about sharing the word, but it doesn't leave us much time to care practically for the food distribution. So this is their solution. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip and six others. They presented them to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. And this was the impact because they delegated and shared the load. So the word of God spread. They could teach. Others cared for the practical side. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of the Jewish priests became obedient to the faith. You see, the 12, as they were called, recognized they simply could not do everything on their own. They could not effectively pray and teach and make sure the food distribution was going fairly. 
So they delegated the task to others who were well qualified to get the job done. What was the end result? The word of God spread. And that should be the desire of the church. So when everybody puts their shoulder to the wheel and helps things begin to happen. Now, I believe that MCC has a very good leadership team, but they're often working on the big picture, caring for the big things. So your help is very essential. You can see how the gift helps to build the church and encourage others. We need people with this gift at MCC in every ministry group, youth, worship, children, small groups. There's a need for people who can help bring organization and efficiency to the ministry being done. So if you have been given the gift of administration, I pray you will use that gift to build up the kingdom. Now that concludes all the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, but there are others in scripture where the gifts are mentioned as well, other places. We're going to take a look at two other gifts mentioned in Ephesians 4 today, and we'll finish our study and a look at Romans 3 next week. Ephesians 4, verses 4 to 12, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and throughout all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he descends, ascend on high, his captives, uh, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You see the effect when you get involved in different areas of gifting, how the whole body actually is blessed and it begins to function, it begins to grow. This is why it's so important we understand what our giftings are. And there's one gifting that is mentioned here called evangelism. Now, evangelism is the ability to readily share the gospel with unbelievers in such a way that people often become repentant and become disciples of Christ. And this is why evangelists come and teach often short-term ministries, but they're really dedicated to that task of bringing believers into Jesus or God's kingdom. Now, obviously, evangelism or sharing of faith with others is something that every believer is expected to be involved in. But, you know, some people find it scary. They just aren't able to go and share with others. They feel a bit uncomfortable. But certain people, now listen to this, certain people are given the gift of being able to be far more effective in their batting average when witnessing to others. In other words, they love to do it. They're happy to do it. Evangelists are given the unique ability by the Holy Spirit to clearly and effectively communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Now, why do they do that? They are burdened in their heart for the lost and will go out of their way to share the truth with them. Evangelists are able to overcome the normal fear of rejection. You see, we don't sometimes do that because we don't want to be rejected, but they're able to overcome that and engage non-believers in meaningful conversations about Jesus. 
Their gift allows them to communicate with all types of people, and therefore they receive a greater response to the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. They continually seek out relationships with those who don't know Jesus and are open to the leading of the Holy Spirit to approach different people. An evangelist at heart, he will be constantly looking for someone to talk to. Now, sometimes, in fact, God will give them the gift of evangelism, a very specific assignment to go and speak to someone in particular. We see an example of this in the life of Philip in Acts 8, 26 to 38. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So he asked the question, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now listen to this. This is important. Philip didn't know why God was sending him to the desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza, but he obeyed. You might get a sense, oh, I should go and speak to that person. You don't understand it, but obedience here gave incredible results now here's another important thing i'm sure that this ethiopian official was not exactly the type of person he usually associated with but again he obeyed um, you might find yourself in a situation where oh, I, I don't know if i can speak to that person i don't really know them but if god is prompting you you need to be obedient and the result of this obeying the promptings of the holy spirit was the almost immediate salvation of this man from Africa. Imagine God using you to bring the message of Jesus Christ into a stranger's life. You have to be obedient, but you have to be wanting to do it. And I think this is the gift of evangelism should be kept. You should be listening for promptings, just like this one. When you go to work this week, when you go and maybe talk to your neighbor, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and have the courage to speak out. And you never know what amazing results will happen as you share what Jesus Christ means to you. And remember that he will also give you the words to say, so you don't have to be frightened about that. Now, the last one, pastor, or another word for pastor is shepherd. The ability to assume personal responsibility for the welfare of a group of believers. Now, too often the church has limited this gift to a certain few who hold an office of leadership in the church. People refer, oh, he's the pastor, go and see the pastor. 
Uh, you hear that a lot. He's the one who's in charge. And they make the pastor the person who is responsible for lots of things. But the word used by Paul in Ephesians 4 describing this gift is poimen, which simply means shepherd. So the pastor is actually a shepherd. Taken this way, we see that there is need for many people to be given basically the gift of being a shepherd and to actively use this gift. People with this gift have been given the capacity and the desire to serve God in overseeing and training and caring for the needs of groups of Christians. They're usually very patient people, people-centered people, and are willing to spend time in prayer for others. We get an idea what is expected of people with this gift when we read Jesus' words about himself in John 10, 11 to 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But then he says, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So those of you who have the gift of pastor or shepherd, you need to take personal responsibility for others in the body of Christ. For those with this gift, it's a ministry that gives you great joy. It's not a burden. And the church should be constantly seeking those with shepherding gifts to help here at MCC. You see, we need a group of people who will care for others, who will shepherd them, who will keep an eye on them, watch over them and encourage them. And so, in conclusion, it is true that we are a body and that each of us has an important part to play. But then we need to ask a very important question. Are you exercising those gifts enough? Now, in order for the body of Christ here at MCC to be healthy, we must be active about doing what each of us has been designed to do. In other words, God has given us gifts. We must be prepared to use them and to put those gifts into practice. Now, maybe an example of a leg or an arm that never gets moved, you'll find that the muscles atrophy. I used to do a lot of running but I would sometimes stop for a period of time. And when I started running again, I found it very hard until I got fit again. I had to reuse those muscles that had lost their function. And I believe that it's the same with arms and legs. When we put into motion and are tested, we become stronger and stronger. It's the same with the giftings. As we use them, we might step out very slowly, but when you put into practice the giftings you have, you'll become stronger. And here goes a challenge. Have you been an observer or a bench warmer? You've come to church for years. You've certainly sat there. You've enjoyed what goes on in the church, but you've never began to participate. You've never found and used your giftings. And you may know what your giftings are, but you have not used them. So I want to challenge you to find your place in ministry by getting up and getting involved. Become the person who is helping build a strong church. Now, one of the sad aspects of my life is that here I am in New Zealand, a long way from you people, and I really miss not being in Japan. 
it actually grieves me because I would love to be with you, talking to you. I would sit down over a cup of coffee and I would type and I'd find out what your passion, what your ability was and what your giftings were. And then I would say, where can we fit you in? Where can you be used? And I want to encourage you because I'm not there. That's fine. It's okay. It's not a perfect situation, but pastors love to better encourage their people. And you've got leaders who you can talk to, you can share, and they will be encouraged. But you need to start exercising those gifts. Now, why do we need to do that? So that we can build a stronger church with everyone's giftings being used. What for? For the glory of Jesus' kingdom. I've said that before, and I'll say it again many times. The church is a very powerful group of people. Why? Because we're equipped through the Holy Spirit with the power that God gives us to function. That makes us different from other people who simply do it on their own. But we've got the power and the strength of God to become careful, to share the faith, to encourage others. Uh, your gifting may never, ever mean that you've got to speak in public, but you're back helping, you're doing stuff behind, you're administrating. You, you might only be cleaning the church. I believe they're the most powerful people in the church because they care for it and they look after it. But we're all equal in terms of our giftings. Now, next time, and I've been asked a question, how do we understand our gifting? Now, when I do the final message in this series, I will give you some ideas to help you determine what God's gifts are for you. Some churches actually run series of training on learning to acquire your gifts, but we'll look at what Scripture says. But listen to this. If what I've been talking about encourages you to be involved, to use your gifts, then go and talk to the leadership. Go and talk to the people who would say, hey, you know, let's talk more about this. Let's find out. They may not know all the answers, but, you know, we can work together on that. Now, last time I mentioned the Japanese rugby team, which I really loved when I was in Japan. Um, I wanted them to win. But, you know, they play as a team. Everyone plays their part. They work together. And they won the praise of many people who watched their games because they saw the way they applied themselves. They saw that they had become a strong team because they worked together. Now, let me finish with this statement. MCC, you are a team and you're working together. What for? To lift God's name high in your community. He's put you there. He's put you in this church. He's given people giftings. And now we have to start seeing them really begin to function. You know, Christianity is like in New Zealand. It struggles. It's a minority thing, and a really distinct minority. So working together, encouraging each other, you will begin to see great blessing And as you do so. In the name of God, the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted high in your community as you encourage each other with the giftings that God has given you. So bless you this week. Go out with confidence. I'm not sure what your circumstances are because of the COVID thing, but God is with you. You go in his strength, with his ability to live your life this week. Go in the confidence that we have as Christians because we are a well-equipped people. So bless you and thank you for the chance to, to speak to you today. Thank you.